Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola, amigos. I go by the name of Spud, Spud Goodman. Yes! Welcome, one and all, to this, um, I guess the technical term would be radio show? This is gonna be cool. We hope you will, you know, at the minimum, tolerate us. And of course, you could make my dreams come true by actually enjoying the next 58 and a half minutes. Well, you know, time will tell, but I have my fingers and big toes crossed. Here is, I think we have enough interesting stuff to keep you tuned in. So why don't we just get going and I'll introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Hey, can you give us a snicker? I'm, I'm trying to be realis realistic right now and not expect a full-on belly laugh, you know, from, from something I may toss out this early. So hey, it would be nice, but I got to keep it real. So just go ahead. <laughs> I can handle a snicker in my sleep. Here goes. Okay. <laughs> How was that? I believe I knocked it out of the park, don't you think? Well, I mean, it was just a snicker, so I wouldn't brag too much. It was adequate. Adequate? Yeah, As I'll... a non-paid member of this radio show, I would expect to receive a more generous response. And also, I'm your freaking aunt, for God's okay, sake. Okay, I'm trying to be impartial here, Aunt Dorothy. If I show you preferential treatment, other people on the show will expect me to cut them some slack, and that would invite anarchy. Oh. Yeah, so, all right, now let me introduce and acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. I was thinking you could maybe use flashcards to respond to any inquiries I might, you know, have during the show. You think about it like, you know, like football teams use like uh, kind of like big cards to send in plays from the sidelines. You could get a Sharpie and uh, write out some sayings like, you are so right, Spud, or anything you say, Spud, or I don't know, maybe even whatever you say, Spud. On cardboard, you know, we'll give you the cardboard and, and, and that'll be an effective way to communicate on the show. I don't understand. It, um, flat flashcards? Yeah, flash. Well, kind of. That's what I'm calling. But that would effectively mute me. That is a horrible idea. I mean, okay, this is a radio show, and and no one listening could read whatever I hold up. Yeah, true. But I could read it, and and that's the important no, factor. No, 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 no. When you factor in the possibility of misspellings and of course mixing up the cards, I say that might not be the best idea. Yeah, I didn't think about him messing up the cards and responding inappropriately. Yeah. That could really throw off stuff. So, okay, just keep your input to a minimum. <sighs> so what I wanted to discuss on this show was something I've been reading so much about on social media. It's that patriarchy word. Uh, I'll admit I had to look it up and figure out what it meant, and I wasn't super happy when I found out what it meant because, 
You know, I had no idea I was part of the male-dominated ruling class. Game has changed, yo. Know? I, I didn't know I was that powerful, but I, I guess I am. And, and I won't lie, it makes me feel a little creepy. I, I was always, you know, proud of being a non-achiever. Yes, the word loser has been directed my way a lot over the years. <laughs> so I'm in the process of rethinking everything now. It's it's, it's messed up my head. Okay, the... the Patriarchy? Yes, patriarchy. I, I must have missed all the fuss that you're referring to. Yes, my wife and I have a joint Facebook page, but I don't have a Twitter or Instagram account. Did, really? You know, we once had a Pinterest account, but we only had like three followers, so Rachel and I shut it down last year. And it only makes common sense. How could either of you not be aware of the woman's revolution that's now underway in this country and around the whole world you must be living on another planet it's all around us if you open your eyes and actually listen i've been feeling we're not in kansas anymore hey i listened you know to people that are interesting but but boring people not not so much i'm talking mostly dudes i mean they tend to aggravate my adhd i just lose focus when they don't say something fascinating within the first eight to 12 seconds of our conversation oh boy yeah yeah uh, mrs jarvitz i listen carefully to the women in my life and i gotta say i've never heard any displeasure expressed on the current roles of men in their lives and w the roles they play i know at home and at our church i oh, honor uh, women gerald and I feel gerald we yeah. don't want to be honored we just want an even playing field. The same well, rights, the same pay, the same scoreboard when it comes to behavior. We women have had it with men putting a thumb on the scale of fairness. You had me at hello. Uh, I guess I never thought about getting a few free extra points on that scoreboard you mentioned. D does that mean there'll be an asterisk on my obituary? I, oh. <laughs> I didn't purposefully cheat when I went up against women for jobs and or whatever, you know, during my life. I, I mean... I know it didn't hurt to be a guy, but I, I sort of thought the best person won. You know, you know, after I won. I don't think so. I, you, I know. I will never feel guilty for being a man. I, I've been blessed, and why would anyone begrudge me for my gender? I know I could have been born a woman, and though I would not have enjoyed the time needed to, yeah. you know, put on my yeah. makeup and uh, plan my <laughs> wardrobe for the week, I... It's not look, funny. I would have adjusted look, I think is what I'm saying. The world is a better place with you not being a woman. You know, well, from what I read on the internet, they, they have enough hurdles to overcome. I mean, if you were in the game, you'd probably kill the full equality thing they're fighting for. No, because no. You, let's face it, you're just not that likable. Oh, well, I disagree with that statement, Spud. If I was born a woman, I would behave correctly and not try to cause divisions in our society. Hey, Bud, what's your problem? You know, we all have roles to play, both men and women. Gerald, if you were just a what? little bit closer to me right now, I would give you a quick kick in the gonads. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, um, why don't we play some rude, music though. right now? Uh, let's lead off with a tune from Annette Funicello, Swinging and Surfing. Hit it, man. Don't I have me a ball? I caught a good ride and that ain't 
This is Marion Ross. I played Mrs. Cunningham on Happy Days. I'm so happy to talk to you, and I love being on the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, excuse me, Spud? Yeah? Your first guest, Jenna Elfman, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, you know, Jenna's on Fear the Walking Dead now, but her first big, you know, television show is Dharma and Greg... Uh, and, and they're now airing the old episodes on oh. Hulu. Oh, I used to watch Dharma and Greg. It was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I've never heard of this show. Was it on regular TV? Um, I think it'd be actually... Uh, yeah, ABC. It was on ABC, okay? Huh. Even you would get that on your... We get we get ABC, yeah. I don't know. It first aired in 1997. It was it was a huge hit. Oh. Back then, you were probably using your CB radio to entertain the family. Yes, yes, you're right. Back in the late really? 90s, Rachel and I had only oh. we'd only been married for a few years, and we really did enjoy our CB radio. Well, good buddy, uh, I gotta head on down the road. So why don't you put Jenna through? Oh, <clears throat> you got it, Papa Bear. Uh, you know, I don't know Jenna's handle, but, uh, well, here she is. That's fine. Over. Say hello to actress Jenna Elfman. Hey, we appreciate you coming on our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So the network series that helped your career take off, Dharma and Greg, is now streaming on Hulu. That's all five seasons, correct? Oh, yes, it is. And it's something I've been working on for a long time to make happen because I think it's really... Uh, been important to me to make sure the next generations have access to this great show that affected so many people positively and um you know i i have a friend's daughter who's 12 and she, they're like walking around in these like friends t-shirts and i'm like oh you guys found friends huh and she's and, and then it's so funny because they talk to you as if you don't know anything about it right they're like oh yeah no friends is cool I'm like, yeah, I know, I was there. When I... <laughs> and it's so funny to watch these next generation, you know, discover all these shows and, um, and, and love them as much as we did when they first aired. So it's, it's been really cool for me to, that it's coming out on Hulu. It's out now. I mean, you can just go to Hulu now and watch Starman Greg. It's awesome. Yeah, you won a ton of awards doing that show, like, like a Golden yeah. Globe, and were nominated for three Emmys during its run. So it, it's been very good to you, right? Oh, most definitely. It's been, it gave me, I had only done one show. Um, I was a series regular on a show called Townies with Molly Ringwald and Lauren Graham right before that. And I had just gotten an agent and that was my first gig. And because of that one was, you know, we only did 13 episodes of that show. But um, I got a development deal with 20th Century Fox that resulted in Darman Greg being created for me. And mm -hmm. so it's special and it's an important show for me. How weird is it for you to now watch the 1997 Jenna? Because, you know, like, I have a tough time looking back in that era because I had hair then, you know, and I, I don't know. Is it weird? <laughs> well, um, 
I, I it, it thrills me. It was such a great time, and that people still enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was fun memories. It's like watching really fun, happy home videos. Is kind of what it feels like. Yeah. All right. Super. Well, you know, you've done a number of major motion pictures in your career. What's more satisfying and/or enjoyable for you, doing movies or TV? Is I, I've heard you know that the craft services are about the same. So is it a tough call? <laughs> it's uh, it is a tough call for more reasons than only craft service. Though oh. sometimes on features, well, it depends on the budget. But um, you know, artistically, I'm fulfilled in different ways. Um, when I'm doing a series and I'm with that character regularly, and just sort of you're kind of living the life of that character through each episode, so it feels like you're really living a life. Mm-hmm. And then with a film, it's this condensed thing where you know what the beginning, middle, and end is. And when you're doing a series, you don't know what the end is going to be, and you don't know what the next middle is. So it's a different approach to character and storytelling, and so it stimulates me in a different different way, and I love it all. Well, speaking of series, you also currently star in the AMC series Fear the Walking Dead, which is also streaming now on Hulu. I like the show a lot. Now, you know, we had, you know, we've had Lenny James and also Coleman Domingo on the show, and I told them both that until this last season, number four, I'd kind of given up on the show, but it's way better now. You, you and Garrett Dillahunt have a lot to do with that, along with Lenny, I gotta say. Thank you. We are certainly enjoying ourselves. Uh, we're currently filming season five, which I cannot wait for everyone to see. It's pretty epic. It's big. And I love, I love June's evolution. You know, I love June and I love. Is that your only name? Is that your only name on that with a character? Well, she was lying and said her name was Naomi. She originally wouldn't tell the love interest, John Dory, her name. So he named her Laura. So last season I had Naomi, Laura and June, but I'm June. Now it's June. Okay. All right. That's I'm feeling better. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, it's a good time. I, I I'm really digging the storytelling in the Walking Dead universe right now. I think it's it's great. I'm enjoying season nine of Walking Dead. I'm watching that, and what we're filming in season five. Um, it's some cool stuff happening in the world. I guess Coleman uh, Domingo uh, directed one of the episodes, right? Yes. Yeah. He directed one last season, episode four twelve that I was in. And he directed one this season that yes. I was also in. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. He mentioned that. Well, you know, on our show, we're talking about a subject. Uh, it's kind of a little bit more serious subject, uh, the patriarchy. As a woman in the entertainment industry, do you sense that things are improving as far as gaining at least a degree of equity or, or access to the decision-making? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a continuous, you know, it's it's not just in the industry. It's in life, you know, culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Men have had the upper hand. For many years, do you know what I mean? Just in terms of the architecture of our culture. So that comes into the workplace in terms of the mindset. And I understand it. And, and, I, and I, I don't think that there needs to be like now women have the upper hand, like some pendulum extreme swing. I don't think that that's necessary or what we're going for, though maybe some do. For me personally, uh, I think, you know, just a mutual respect and admiration for people's competence and for me, pride in my own competence. And, you know, there's that Steve Martin quote that's just, be so good they can't ignore you. Yeah. And I think that as a human being, if you're just comp- really competent in whatever it is you do and you're a genuinely well-intentioned human, 
I don't think you're going to have, and you have enough fight and push in you, you know, at the right times. But men need to stand up for themselves. I mean, everyone as a human being has to learn how to be competent, hold their position, and fight for what they believe in right. and have good manners, you know? And I think that that's just uh, humanity, and that will go a long way in changing everything. Yeah, you know, you know, I've been doing some reading, and it seems that dudes have had pretty much total control in Hollywood. Who knew, huh? I, I just, an open yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, okay, let me ask well, you Well, I think it would be very smart of men to let uh, women's minds into their game because we're quite smart and we're quite bright with strategy. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, yeah, and well, I, I think it doesn't need to be where men lose all their power. I think it just needs to be a great combo of the two, and we'll have a much better world. All right, I'll, I'll write that down. Spud, what? if I may interject here, you don't have to tell me how smart women are. My wife, Rachel, is a very smart woman herself. Very smart. Yeah, okay. Now, sure. I'm tasked with most of the decision-making in our family as I am the husband and the figurehead, but she is a sharp one for sure. Hey, Jenna, I just need a sec. Oh, so you're the decider in your family, huh? Well, whenever I'm around you and your wife, it seems to me you have to get her okay for pretty much everything you do, like even getting up at a restaurant and using the men's room. You know, well, I only ask Rachel if it's okay to get up from the table when we go out because I want her to be ready to assume the decision-making position in my absence. <laughs> oh, I get it. You know, she might be preoccupied or something, so I'll wait until she's prepared to take over. But doesn't she have to, like, approve whatever charge you make on your debit card before you can buy something? And, well, and when you want to drive anywhere over 15 miles from your home? Gerald, it sure does sound like you are the decider in your family. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm guessing your wife saw early on what happens when you're, you know, allowed to go out without adult supervision. Now, understand, there's nothing to be ashamed of. My ex-wives knew I was incapable of being a grown-up, too. No, no, I am fully capable of being a grown-up in my marriage, Spud. I don't okay. appreciate the insu insinuation here that I need adult supervision. I should have mentioned that I sit at the head of the dinner table, oh, by the way. Impressive. Your wife is a very smart woman, Gerald. Duh. Yeah. Now, now, let me finish up this interview with Jenna. Okay, I have returned. Thanks. Um, well, well, Jenna, you grew up in Los Angeles and studied to be a ballet dancer, but did you ever want to try out another vocation other than performing, like, say, a veterinarian, a teacher, or, say, an astronaut? Because that was always on my list. I'm scared of heights. It never worked out. But is there something you wanted to do outside of, you know, the profession? Yeah, well, I always, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I want to be a veterinarian because I loved animals and... Uh, you know, I, I thought about being, I, I also loved, I've always loved helping people and I thought being a nun would be cool. Ooh, um, and then wow. I realized that there was sort of no boys in that kind of, uh, occupation. Right. So that one went away quick, but I realized you can help animals and you can help others in life very easily. Um, so I kind of, my true passion is entertaining and but I do through various charities help people and animals, and uh, so that's been pretty cool. Well, all right. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, well, 
I gotta say again that Dharma and Greg is now streaming on Hulu and you'll be returning for season five of Fear of the Walking Dead coming this summer, I believe, on AMC and the first I four think seasons. They haven't given an official date yet, but huh? in one press release they mentioned something about summer. So yeah, we'll see. Well, and, and the first four seasons are available on Hulu now. So thank you so very, very much for checking in with us. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. There you have it, Ms. Jenna Elfman. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It smells really good. Okay, getting back to what we were talking about, you know, that, that patriarchy thing, I'm thinking at this moment in time, it might be wise to get on board with, you know, this revolution that, that I'm reading about. And what you were saying, Aunt Dorothy, seriously, let's, th- let's, let's discuss this. Who, I mean, who wants to be a resistor to well over half the world's population? Good call, yo. If we're talking fairness here, I guess women, you know, should get to control the levers of power. Uh-huh. Yeah, they are in the majority. It pains me to say this, but fair is fair. Yes. Spud, I would be very careful about your choice of words here. Men have always been in charge, and you could set us all back considerably if what you're saying here is taken seriously by people listening. Who knows? Your careless talk could go fluenza and before we know it the social contract between men and women could be torn apart what's your name scumbag oh i think you meant viral gerald Uh, the internet doesn't spread the flu and that contract you mentioned is no longer valid it was rendered null and void years ago maybe you didn't get that memo what memo and uh i'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo okay Oh, uh, uh, Spud, the board is saying we have a caller waiting, and I um, don't well. think it's our next guest. Do you do you want me to take it? They're saying it's a woman who wants to join in this conversation. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm going to say no to a woman right now, so, uh, uh, yeah, I just put her through. Well, uh, wait, wait. You really should do more reading about this topic before engaging others on the air, Spud. But, what hey, I'm just the designated laugher on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Call are you there? Uh, yes. And I only have a second here, but I have to say, both you and your co-host sound like what? defenders of the patriarchy. Uh, I'm a first-time listener, but you both have a choice here. Be part of the solution, or continue to be on the wrong side of history. Well, if it is war they want, then war they shall have! You know, I sure don't want to be on the losing side, I can tell you that. I've lost way too many times in my life, especially like Little League growing up. I mean, my God, we got crushed game after game and actually I, I've never really been on a winning team and I'm, I'm thinking about That's it true for, for me it won't be too hard to give up my place in the power structure you know as I'm so low on the food chain right now as as you know, let's be honest a host of a cheesy talk show I, I'm like one notch higher than an unemployed aging porn star come on yo well why would you say that spud that would make me lower than you and that aging Porn star. Right, that's a valid point. I, I, well, I don't believe that I'm currently that low on the food chain that you so often refer to. Spud, <laughs> uh, this is not about you or your co-host's fading grip on power. Uh, get over yourselves. You both just yeah, okay, don't look, get it. I, I, look, I want to get it. I'm just a slow learner, but don't give up on me. Hey, caller, there's a reason men have assumed the role of authority figure. We are built to be in charge. Ha, we have ha, been ha. blessed with the wisdom and insight to make the tough calls that are required to keep things functioning. Hmm. You know, women, by no fault of their own, have to overcome their tendency to become 
emotional in times of trouble. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Uh, yeah, have you taken a look at the health of this planet? It's pretty clear a change in leadership is needed. Testosterone has gotten us into most every war and crisis in world history. Well, it's a good thing then that I have such a low T count. You know, my doctor said I have more estrogen than some women in their 20s, early 20s, I think he said. So maybe we have more in common than you'd think. Uh, Caller, you know, the masculine spirit is under attack in this country, and I'm not ashamed to say I will fight this attempt to feminize men. We will stand strong against this assault. Right, Spud? Spud? I'm not the smartest guy around, Uh, definitely, but I know when it's time to switch teams. Dude, you're about to go down with the ship. You're going to get so tired of winning, you're going to say, Mr. President, please, we don't want to win anymore. It's too much. Uh, I need to go now, but I just wanted to alert you both that change has come, and women are not going to accept anything less than equal sharing of power for the time being. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. Thanks for calling into the show, and to be honest, you weren't as interesting like as a celebrity guest, but you weren't totally boring either. Uh, thank you, I, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. Goodbye. Well, Spud, you, you really sounded like a traitor to your sex. I'm, I'm really disappointed in you right now. Oh, brother. If it comes down to pissing off women everywhere or bumming you out, I'm going with women every time. Uh, duh. Uh, uh, hey, Mr. Taliban, just zip it as I need to introduce this song, all right? It's by a band that, that played on our show last year and is now getting a ton of buzz the Black Tones. Uh, remember them? They are awesome. They have a new album out now titled Cobain and Cornbread, available everywhere. And if not, just ask for it. Here is Rivers of Jordan. Cross the rivers of Jordan. I'm gonna cross the rivers of Jordan one of these days. Hallelujah! I'm gonna cross the rivers of Jordan. I'm gonna cross the rivers of Jordan one of these days. I'm gonna tell her how you treat me one of these days, hallelujah, I'm gonna- 
gonna tell her how you treat me. I'm gonna tell her how you treat me one of these days. <laughs> Cross the rivers of Jordan. I'm gonna cross the rivers of Jordan one of these days. Hallelujah. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. Justin is beyond belief. Smart Goodman! Smart Goodman! Smart Goodman Show! Spud, your next guest, Paul Tuttle Jr., is waiting to speak with you. Okay, you know, his show that he and his dad are on, American Chopper, has always been really popular. Uh, the issue in the past, though, is. They had some problems that were later, later, you know, settled in court. Oh. They worked it out. Now they're back on the Discovery Channel together. Well, well, as you know, I'm a Harley rider. Yep. And I've always been a fan. I never missed any of their Orange County Chopper episodes on CMT. You know, I just don't understand the fuss about motorcycles. It seems to me only heathens and outlaws ride motorcycles. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. And... We are very proud of that. Well, I'm a motorcycle wow. enthusiast myself. I, I still have my Honda 250 you know, in a storage unit, you know, a friend of mine's storage unit. I, I think it needs a new clutch or a carburetor. Those are different. I know they're different. They're separate. Anyway, and Dorothy, if I sent it to a shop for a makeover, would you let me ride with you and, and your other friends with their Harleys? Deal or no deal? Hmm, yeah. Uh, it's not that we're snobs or anything, Spud, but why don't you see about getting a bigger bike, and then we can talk All about right. it. All right, fine. J- just put Paul through, please. Yeah, here, here he is. Say hello to motorcycle builder and star of the TV show American Chopper on the Discovery Channel. Thanks for calling in, Mr. Paul Tuttle Jr. What's going on, man? Yeah. So you're starting a new season. I'm doing pretty good. You're starting a new season of American Chopper, airing Tuesday nights at 10, 9 central on Discovery. Um, Let me ask you this. Have you counted up the total number of bikes you've built on the show since the first episode? You know, I really haven't, but I I should probably do that, though. Yeah. I'm thinking I I should probably try and uh, figure all that out. But I'll tell you, it's a lot. Uh, Like maybe triple figures? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. I th- yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I would say. I mean, we did. We were doing thirty episodes a season for a decade. Yeah. And and, and then we've been back now for well, after this eight episode run, to be another sixteen episodes. So, you know, you do the do the math. You're talking like three hundred one hour episodes. So, 
and just about every one of those episodes has a bike. So, I mean, I'd say quite a few. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone that's watched the show is pretty much aware that you and your father have had a unique, uh, you know, relationship, and you, you have a, a niche in the motorcycle business. What's what's the term you use? The, the creators and builders of, of super amazing, unbelievable, mega cool bikes. I mean, that'd be a long title on your business card. But how do you break it down in a couple words? Well, you know, I'll tell you what I what I really do is is, is theme building. Um, so you know, in the idea of whatever the client or individual or charitable organization is. Uh, we take what they are and we fully integrate that creative into a motorcycle. And so we tell the story of the client through the motorcycle. It's almost a storytelling process. And, um, you know, we've been doing that for all these years. And, you know, so, we're, we, you know, theme building is kind of what I do. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people who build motorcycles, they have a look and that's their look. And for me, my look is whatever the, whatever it calls for, you know, whatever the client Whatever the project calls for is what the look is, and that's how you get these extremely unique, one-of-a-kind, fingerprint-type motorcycles. All right, All right. super. Well, I, I just mentioned like the relationship you, you have with your dad. If people, regular viewers are aware of it, uh, it's it's been a fairly intense relationship, at least on screen. Uh, on the show, yeah. he's, he's known to not exactly be laid back and mellow. Do you think the issues yeah. that, that came up between the two of you uh, would have occurred with or without the show? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that dynamic was in play when the cameras showed up. I grew up in the steel business working for my father uh, from the age 12. We didn't have the show until I was 26. So at the end of the day, all of that stuff was happening way before the cameras came. You see what I mean? Yeah. They only yeah. captured what already existed in our dynamic. So, uh, yes, that, the short answer is absolutely it was already going on. And it carried on, and once we got real comfortable with the cameras, then we just carried on business as usual, and the cameras were just there, you know? Well, I, I saw at least uh, one show or more. Uh, punctuality was kind of an issue with your dad. Being your own boss now, is it is it way cooler to be able to get up uh, whenever you want and show up to work then and not have to worry about somebody bitching at you? thing you know i do i do get up pretty darn early and i do have my i've been in business for myself for 10 years this year and so uh you know it is good it's good to be your own boss but it's not an easy thing and you know it comes uh you know it, you know there's a lot that goes with it so you know being punctual and getting up early and working a lot is just the norm you know uh, spud if, if I may, from what you describe, the fiery relationship Paul has with his father, it, it sounds very similar to our relationship. I mean, sure, punctuality has not been an issue, but your demanding, often irrational outbursts of anger directed at me has often left me feeling quite resentful. I mean, you are at times a mean boss. Hey, Paul, I need a brief moment here. Yes. Now, don't try and label me Amy Klobuchar, okay? I do not treat you unfairly. I just hold you accountable and expect results. Maybe I do have a high bar, but who would want someone who worked for them to be lazier than themselves? That would defeat the whole purpose of having someone work for you. Oh, but you've always been hard on those who work with you, Spud. Yeah. I've never seen you actually throw anything at staff members like Amy Klobuchar, but you have thrown many tantrums over the years, nasty ones. 
Don't make me out to be some kind of ogre. Come on. My paper boy loves me. My mailman, you know, sort of thinks highly of me. I know that. I can just sense it. And, and the guy who does my dry cleaning always smiles at me when I walk into his place to pick up my stuff. I refuse to be labeled as an a Oh, you said that A word. I, I didn't say it. I have to get back to Paul, so zip it. All right, I'm back. Well, you know, you've made many custom motorcycles for celebrities and athletes. Have you ever had uh, one of those famous people be so picky they really got on your nerves to the point where you told them to go away and bother someone else? No, not really. No, not really. We've had a couple of uh, we had a couple of people that were very particular, as musicians and artists are, especially the creative type. Um, but not not to the point where we've had to say go away. Just a little bit like okay. You know, let us do what we do type thing, you know? All right. Um, well, from watching the show, it seems like you make mostly, like, really big bikes. Um, but I own, like, a Honda 250 and I thought about chopping it, like, because my neighbor uh, chopped his moped and it looks kind of cool. Not, you know, how small a bike have you, have you built? What's the smallest? And it size everything. You know, I would not, not generally they are bigger, they're longer with tall tires and, you know, at least the pro streets are stretched out. And then the early days we did more choppers, a lot more up stretches. Um, I can't really remember working on anything too small like that. It's just not usually, it's just not the norm, you know. Anything? They, Mikey and Vinny, Mikey and Vinny customized their scooters once. Oh, huh. that'd be kind of cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Uh, Paul, in 2009, you designed a dog park in New York State. That would seem to be a stark, a stark departure from what you're famous for. As a big dog lover myself, I would love to go to a dog park designed by you. So are there any plans to do them in other parts of the country? You know, no, not, not really. It was just an opportunity we had. And at the time, I was in a one-year non-compete with OCC. So I basically was not able to build bikes for one year. So I started a design company and uh, did some stuff for Coleman. And that's when I designed, did the dog park and, uh, and did all that stuff. So, uh, no, that was kind of a one and done in my hometown. And it's nice that it's there and people love it. But, uh, you know, I'm open to it. I mean, anything concerning design, uh, I'm in. You know? It, you know, the bikes have always been the opportunity, but we're certainly not limited to them. All right. Well, well, can I ask if you would trust anyone who didn't like dogs? To me, it's a clear test of character. <laughs> no, probably not. All I right. mean, my father's a way over the top dog guy, too, you know? All right. Well, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, let me remind everyone that your TV show, American Chopper, airs each Tuesday night at 10, 9 central on the Discovery Channel. We really appreciate you checking in with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. There you have it, Mr. Paul Tuttle, Jr. Spud Goodman to Anulo. Spud Goodman to Anulo. Spud uh, Spud, your last guest, Riley Smith, is ready for you. Okay, I, you know, I haven't seen his new show on Fox, Proven Innocent, but I plan on checking it out. He used to star on that Frequency show on the CW. Oh, I, I remember Riley on True Blood on HBO. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's a real hottie. Like, really hot. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Mrs. Jarvitz, I've noticed that you are often smitten by young male actors, a number of whom are often seen with their shirts off in suggestive poses. Um. You really, you need to get a hold of your raging hormones. Lock her up. That's right. Get, that's right. Oh, my hormones are just fine as they are, Gerald. Yes, I do like to look, but rest assured, at the end of the day, I come home to my sweetie Chance. He is way more than enough man for me. Uh, I I think you mean his parents' home. But anyway, our community college intern may be enough of a man for you, but right now, I got to say this, once again, he's missing in action. I think he's hiding in the bathroom playing video games one more time. Mm. We got to take a stand here. Well, he does love Fortnite. I'll talk to him. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Uh, Just put Riley through, please. Yeah, here he is. Give a warm welcome to actor and musician Riley Smith. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, thanks for having me, bud. Yeah. So you currently co-star in the new TV series, Proven Innocent, airing Friday nights on Fox. Yeah, you play the character Levi Scott, a guy who spent 10 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit. What sprung you? Like DNA, a good attorney, or maybe a presidential pardon? (laughs) All of the above, yeah. Well, uh, you know... that is one of my biggest fears. That's why I love the script so much. Was uh, my biggest fear is, is that someone knocks on my door and, and, and is wrongfully convicts me of a crime I didn't commit. And yeah. in America, you are literally uh, guilty before proven innocent these days. And um, yeah. and and so when I when when the role came across, I, it was like I have to play this guy. It's, it's, you know, go against my biggest fear. Well, you know, I got I got to say this. You you're a veteran actor, and you've been in a ton of TV series in addition to numerous films. But I got to ask you about your time as as a cast member on Judd Apatow's amazing Freaks and Geeks, the, the Lone Season in 2000. Right. That cast was pretty much the future of A-list agents in Hollywood. D- does that show still stand out? Still stand out to you? Like, in, at least in terms of regards to relationships you formed with the cast. Yeah, I was really fortunate to get that because I had just moved to L.A. not long before that. And, and at the time, you know, everybody was new. Um, Judd Apatow was one of his first projects. And so I'll never forget walking into that audition um, and meeting him for the first time. And uh, when we when we were doing it, you know, it felt special. But, but then it was very short-lived. It wasn't really received that well right uh, at, at first. And so it was one of those things that. where you're like, I can't believe yeah, that but it wasn't, but you know, still. It, it also taught me that uh, in in Hollywood sometimes they get it wrong and they don't yeah. realize it until later. And I've had many shows since then that have only went one season or got canceled halfway through a season, and and that was a very valuable lesson right off the bat that uh, you know not everything lasts and you just have to you know take advantage of it while you can and and enjoy it while you have it. Yeah, I was thinking like the film counterpart to that in, in regards to like the cast and their later impact in Hollywood would be like Dazed and Confused. Uh, I, obviously, uh, the, the, the casting directors on both those projects, uh, they're probably in the Hall of Fame of, of that uh, angle. Of the <laughs> anyway, 
All right. Um, well, yeah. let's let's move on. You're a regular on True Blood, the memorable HBO series in the 2014 series. I was just curious. Did, mm-hmm. did you guys only film at night like the graveyard shift? Does it seem mostly dark out when, when it was shooting? You know, I don't know. Is yeah, that- you would think so, right? Um, and I also always, before I got on the show, thought it was really filmed in Louisiana. They do such a great job of making it look so authentic. And it wasn't until I got the show that I realized the sound stages are in the heart of Hollywood and uh, all the out, uh, exterior stuff is, is right on the back lot of, of Warner Brothers. Um, so smoke and mirrors. But... Uh, huh. Uh, you, you film inside a dark, a dark sound stage, uh, so you don't have to work graveyard shifts. Most of it's just all inside of a dark sound stage. And then, like true vampires, you come out in between takes and you see the sun, and you're like, "Oh my god, I realized, you know, it's daytime." Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you later were a recurring character on the ABC and later CMT series Nashville. So I know you're mm-hmm. a mus- you're also a musician with your own band. You actually have a new single out now titled Radio, correct? I do, yeah, yeah. It just came out. Um, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm putting out a song a month uh, in 2019. I figured I'd do it that way and, and kind of string it along instead of put up all the songs out in one album. Right. Um, and so, ra- radio is out right now. And we're trying to get it on the radio. Well, I, well, okay. I, um, I, I was wondering though, is it tougher to survive in the music industry than acting? What, which one do you find more of a challenge? Um, well. I'm fortunate that uh, I get to do both, uh, uh, but I always say there's a lot more roles for actors than there are opportunities for singers. Um, now, that's kind of changed since uh, since technology has grown so fast. Now, people can actually record albums in their house, you know, you, right. you, can, you can get all the, the tools that you need to make an album right in your home, but uh, for the longest time, the only way to make a record was to go into a, a studio, so... Um, but I would never want to have to choose uh, which. Um, it, it, they, to me, they're both like they're like kids. You know, you can't pick your favorite one. But right. uh, they're both equally as tough. I think that you know, in order to have a long career that lasts in either one of those, you, you have to have a, a lot of luck and a lot of skill. Right. Well, speaking of kids, let's let's take a look way back. When you were a kid, you were a national champion <laughs> rider in quarter horse shows, right? Are you like a horse whisperer? Well, that's what my dad does for a living. My dad is, is a horse whisperer, a horse trainer for quarter horses. And uh, oh. so I was born into it, and I didn't have a choice. I was riding before I could walk. I had broken more bones before I could drive. And uh, it's just the only thing I knew. It was my backup plan. If I didn't make it as a actor musician i was probably going to be you know riding horses the rest of my life so that was my motivation huh well do you do you, do you own a horse these days i know it might be tough if you live in a high-rise condo or somewhere off sunset or melrose in hollywood but do, do you have one now yeah no i don't i don't have one I, i'm too busy you know i'm seven, seven months out of the year I've, I've been in chicago filming proven innocent and then the other uh Six months or so. I'm, I'm five months. I'm, I'm traveling uh, for uh, tours and things for music or to Nashville to record. And I just don't have time to ride. And horses are an expensive hobby to have. Uh, they always say you can get a boat or you can get a horse. They both uh, cost you money to sit and still. Yeah, I didn't know the hay was that expensive. All right, super. Um, well, <laughs> Spud. 
I had not heard myself that horses were expensive to own, but I can tell you my little one, uh, Dwight's turtle, Eddie, is starting to cost us a pretty penny. You know, Eddie has emphysema, uh, and the medication is pretty darn pricey. It's high time the cost of prescription drugs came down, don't you think? Oh, Riley, excuse me for a minute here. Yeah, bud. Uh, you interrupted me to discuss the cost of medication for your son's yeah. turtle, Eddie? Well, I, I thought it was germane to the discussion. Maybe our listeners were not aware that owning a turtle can also be a drain on the finances, too. You know, we'd love Eddie, but there comes a point where you question the costs involved. Oh, wait. I, I sure hope you don't just dump Eddie in the park or something just no, because no, no. he needs medicine to survive. What kind of person are you? Yeah, if you get rid of the turtle, your kid will never forgive you. I mean, you can forget him ever visiting you in a nursing home when the time comes. But hey, I, I gotta finish up this thing, so just be quiet. All right, I have returned. Sorry about that. Uh, well, let, let me say again, before you, before you go, your new Fox series, Proven Innocent, airs each Friday night. Uh, what, what time does it air? Yeah, it airs at 9, 8 central on Fox. Okay. Um, Kelsey Grammer is amazing in it. We, you know, obviously we all grew up with him in our homes. And, right. Uh, he does not disappoint. He's an amazing human being, a great actor, uh, and and he plays a corrupt DA that you will love to hate in this. And uh, and the rest of the cast is phenomenal. So I'm I'm really proud of the show. I can't wait for audiences to see it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. All right. There you have it, Riley Smith. All right, how about a quick tune now, okay? Here are the Novocaines, a band from Perth, Australia, with their 2009 song, Cup of Coffee. Here it is. One more cup of coffee before I go. Jesus, yeah, I'll throw back home Spud, 
You know, as a father of two boys myself and the fact that you have no children, I don't think you're the most informed person to comment I, on the topic I don't know about of that. this patriarchy thing the radical feminists are shouting about these days. I, I, I know I sure don't want to have my Gerald Jr. and little Dwight to struggle with the proper role in society. Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. I think I'm more than informed, okay? And, and regardless, well, I'm thinking your sons, they're going to have to figure out what kind of a guy they want to be. And, and if they ever want to date or eventually marry a woman, except maybe in one of those cults or something, it's going to be a different world for both of them. You know, my wife and I will ensure that they'll meet the life partner that's the right match when the time is appropriate. You know, there's an endless supply of potential wives within our church's youth group, so we have no concerns. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Yeah, I think arranged marriages are really medieval. Good luck getting your boys to buy into that. No, we, we do not promote arranged marriages, Mrs. Jarvitz. All we and the other parents who care about their children do is put them in situations where they will interact with the others who share their values. Listen, if we keep them away from radical feminists, then we've done our job as parents. If they're anything like me when I was younger, they could care less about the politics of a girl or woman if they'll actually go out with them. You really need to dial down the romantic micromanaging. I know that, dude. Oh my, those boys are destined for a life of celibacy. Oh, right? Unless they're able to obtain full emancipation through the courts. Oh, now why would you say something like that, Mrs. Mm. Jarvis? You know, as a parent, I'm offended by both of you insinuating that we don't want what's best for our sons. Yes, my wife and I do believe that a traditional relationship would be in their best interest, but there's no need for them to waste time pursuing someone who might not be sure of what role a woman needs to assume to make a marriage successful. What the hell, Joe? Um, can, can we move this conversation away from your kids and more to the topic of that patriarchy word that we're, you know, we've been discussing it? Yeah. I read somewhere that Steve Bannon, you know, Trump's old alt-right guru, right, said right. America needs to prepare for an eventual takeover by women in this country. Missing our pants yet? I mean, if that white is right dude knows, you know, what time it is, then every other non-racist guy better start preparing too. Um, you know, I say it's good news. As, as I, I've mentioned on many occasions, I will have no problem being a house husband. And I'll gladly surrender whatever male privilege I might still have. Well, that is mighty generous of you, dear. But it doesn't address centuries of second-class citizenship for women around the globe. Uh, Men have no idea what it's like going through life with one hand tied behind our backs. Wow, you know, I never really thought of it like that. I, I hate to be tied up, and that's never been my thing. Well, what is the question? Mrs. Jarvitz, I don't think you're taking into account why men are in most positions of power. We do not give birth, okay? And we also don't get emotional when the time comes to make a big decision. Oh, you laugh if you want, but don't get me wrong. I'm not saying men are superior to the fairer sex, but I will defer to history and what it tells us. I love the poorly educated. Ah, and what does history tell you? Hey, well, I'm not your attorney, but I would advise you to take the fifth, dude. Well, no. Listen, history tells us that men have created modern civilization. Are you saying we, 
or men are not responsible for the world we have now? Oh, I have no problem placing full responsibility on men for the health of our environment, being in a constant state of war, and just all around disgusting behavior. You guys own it all. Hey, I told you to shut the heck up. Yeah, well, okay, be careful what you wish for. Like our president has said, do we want men to be paranoid and frightened about any contact with females? They are not our friend. Simple solution here. Teach your sons to keep their hands off others and treat everyone with respect. Problem solved. You know, the longer you know this conversation goes on, the more I'm starting to channel that glorious Steinem lady. So let's no. end this thing before I begin hating myself even more than I normally do. I think most of us can agree, guys are pigs for the most part. Oh, Spud, one of the things I've always loved about you is your inability to really impact the lives of others, you know, in a negative fashion. Of course, you haven't done much to help the cause either, but you are, in essence, an impotent and benign male figure. Thank you, Aunt Dorothy. Wow. Anyway, I need to wrap things up. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. You know, we're going to leave you with this tune by Stevens and Gurdnick. It's titled Fast Food. Later. Ah, uh, a double cheeseburger, onion rings, and a large orange drink, please. Did, did, did you get my order? Cheeseburger, onion rings, and a large orange drink. No, I want a cheeseburger, a double cheeseburger, onion rings, and a large orange drink. A The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer, T.J. Pites. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2019, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. No, 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 no.